I cannot put more focus on loving yourself to be the number one priority. It needs to be that all the time. But the decision for you to make a change about your body needs to be from you for you to feel better not for someone else to feel better about you and I think that's something that is really important and I think that that's also why there's such a stigma about it because most people think that you do plastic surgery to get attention and love from the outside to get validation that you need to be good enough but it is really about you know oh, how can I feel better in my own skin and and that be enough you know You're listening to Out of Line with Caroline Lee, exploring offline realities with online personalities. Christine Fredheim is a medium and spiritual coach and is the owner and founder of her practice, Soul Life. She works closely with clients to achieve lasting inner peace, instill a sense of mindfulness, leading them to discover their purpose and self-worth. Christine has a master's degree in neuro-linguistic programming, is the author of two books, and contributes to online journals like the Huffington Post. She currently lives in Stavanger, Norway with her two little boys, so we hopped on Skype to record our chat on cosmetic surgery. So for starters, let's just dive in. Let's just dive in the deep end. Tell me about the first thing that you did like to yourself, for yourself, in terms of your body, that would be considered either like plastic surgery or cosmetic <laughs> surgery, like or any sort of like needle, you know, like filler or whatever. What was the very first thing that you did and how old were you? With both kids, I had the enormous amount of breast milk. So what happened the second time is that I got the breast infection in both breasts and I was hospitalized for three or four days. I don't really remember because it was all such a blur and because the infection was like all my upper chest and getting down in my uh, belly area. Mm. And so it was super serious. But what happened is that I wasn't allowed to breastfeed uh, so much because we needed to stop the milk completely because I just had uh, such a high... um, I don't know what it was. I was just making a lot of milk and they were constantly in that, you know, all the mothers out there know when you're having, when you feel like it's time to feed, it's time to empty the breast. I had that feeling constantly of feeling like they were exploding and everything hurt. Mm. And my baby wasn't feeding properly because I had so much milk. So when they were drinking, they got too much and they would throw everything up again. And it was this whole hassle and it made me super depressed and angry and stressed. And the kid was eating every uh, 45 to an hour. So there was no rest for me. Anyways, this made my boobs when the milk finally, with the thank God help from the hospital, uh, when the milk was gone, it was just like, hello, I can't even see my nipples anymore. It was just like empty on the top of my chest. And it seemed like all like the fat or whatever that was left had just like ended up in the, like the tip of my breast. I can't even explain it. It was just (laughs) too 
watermelons, no, no, water, water balloons hanging from my chest. Mm. And I was just looking in the mirror and I'm like, I'm 25 and I refuse to look like this the rest of my life. Mm. I just, I, I, I have no words how, how I just like, I, I couldn't even feel down about it because I immediately made the decision to do something about it. And I just remember tying my shoes and they would pop out of my bra and <laughs> it was just the inconvenience of it as well. And oh, I can't even describe how it felt like to have sex with my husband with these boobs, you know, being on top of him with these in front of his face. It was just like, no, I, I, I couldn't do it. And, um, so I've, I did a lot of research and I actually ended up flying to Los Angeles to go see the best boob doctor. Um, I know that probably most of you know who he is, but it, it's Dr. Garth Fisher. Um, I know him from here in Norway. He used to have a show called like Extreme Makeover like long time ago. Mm. And uh, I had like really big respect for him after doing the research, knowing that he started off as a janitor in a hospital and worked himself, you know, way up. And he, he was super caring and a very good doctor. And I recommend him to anyone who wants to do their, do their boobs. So I, we needed, or we decided, I decided that I wanted to have a breast lift. And then I wasn't sure if I needed implants because after my infection and my boobs constantly being, you know, almost exploding from all this amount of milk, I got like, um, holes, if that makes sense, like in my chest that there, um, I don't know what happened, but there were, there were a few holes after my, um, after my infection. Mm. And then, uh, we decided that it, it could probably be a really good idea to also add, uh, implants so that you could get that fuller look at the top. Um, so I had that. And then at the same time I had a nose job and that was something that I've always wanted since the age of 12, when I broke my nose for the first time. Uh, it was during a gymnastic um, lesson where I did a front flip and I landed wrong. So my whole knee went under my nose and it just impacted and just broke. And it created a bump and kind of showed my nose. Uh, so the profile was bigger. And I just, that was something that I was very self-conscious about during my, like, till I did it, till I had the surgery. So it was from 12 to 25. I, I felt really bad about it. And I remember when it happened, several times I would have a conversation with my mom about how I hated how it looked like. Um, we went to the doctor and then again, these doctors here in Norway are not pro plastic surgery. If your nose work fine, don't do anything about it. And, uh, but my mom said, you know what, when you're old enough, you can change it yourself and that's fine. As long as you, um, know that you're doing it for the right reasons and feeling good about yourself is something that is so important. So I think that that I've been so open about changing my body have been influenced 
by my mother being so open about it. And I'm so thankful for that because I do have friends with the attitude of why would you want to change anything? Like you need to accept how you look like, but it really isn't about accepting how you look like in that way, because if there's a possibility to feel better about yourself and having a surgery can do that for you, then that is a choice that I went for. And it really was a life changer in so many ways that why won't people do it to make themselves feel better if it is for, um, you know, just for my boobs, for an instant, to feel really good about being a woman and being proud to be a woman and owning your body with the decisions that it comes with and how that kind of brought me closer to my husband at the time by having the conversation and talking about is this really self-love or is this, you know, a practical thing to do and, um, and even talk about how it will change, you know, our sex life. There's so many conversations to have, but at the end of it, what feels right for you and what are you willing to do to, to feel good about yourself? And, um, I also remember having the conversation with my doctor of what the expectations of the surgery were, and if I'd been depressed before and you know all of these psychological things were you know you need to consider them um because i can imagine that there are women or people out there in general that does plastic surgery that think that it won't just fix your confidence but it also fix your life mm. and that you do it because that maybe someone will love you or you know it's it that you would try to get that uh, love from the outside. And I cannot, I cannot put more focus on loving yourself to be the number one priority. It needs to be that all the time, but the decision for you to make a change about your body needs to be from you for you to feel better, not for someone else to feel better about you. And I think that's something that is really important. And I think that that's also why there's such a stigma about it, because most people think that you do plastic surgery to get attention and love from the outside, uh, to get uh, validation, validation that you need uh, to be good enough. But it is really about, you know, oh, how can I feel better in my own skin and and that be enough, you mm. know? Mm. Yeah. And, and I know that you're someone who's a very spiritual person and, um, and I respect that about you. And I love that you are someone that thinks about things, um, beyond just this moment in time. You think about, you think about souls and you think about, um, you know, how our souls are interacting with, with this body that we're in. And so I'm, and maybe the, if the answer is no, that I'm like, you know, trying to create some weird connection here, then you can tell me, but is there mm -hmm. any sort of, is there any sort of look at, you know, what our body is like, what, it, what is our body and, and how do our souls interact with our bodies? Um, you know, and does it impact our soul at all when we make adjustments to our physical body. Does that make sense as a question? Um, I can try and answer it the way that I understand it. Mm. But as far as I know, um, what affects our body is how we feel. It's the emotion and the love 
because when we die, we do not take our bodies uh, uh, with us. We do not take our egos with us. The only thing that is real in the end is love. And therefore, altering your body because you want to feel good and excited and happy about yourself or whatever the reason may be, it should be and come from loving yourself. I'm doing this because I love myself and I want to I want to feel that too in my body, then I don't think that it's going to have an effect. But if you um, do a lot of plastic surgery and you are not able to see that you're going too far with, you know, risking your life, having too many surgeries that you're kind of going overboard with it, that will affect your self-love and not being able to be real with yourself there's so many things that um screaming no don't do it you need to love yourself and know you know that you have mm. does it make sense that i say like when you see someone just really going overboard and concentrating too much about self uh, alteration because they don't feel good enough that is something is a lesson within a soul and most lessons all of us have is that self-love and I can't talk about that enough mm. and um, so doing something for your body really depends why you're doing it but as long as it comes from love I do not think that it will affect you on a soul level for sure mm. so what about um so I when I lived in Australia years ago there was this woman that I knew and um and she said that it was really important for her to not be vain, to not like be yeah. obsessed with her appearance. And therefore, it was really important for her to basically like let herself go. Like she didn't she didn't exercise. She didn't she didn't, you know, care. She didn't do anything with her hair or, you know, style her hair or put makeup on or care about, you know, she didn't take care of her body because she said that if she did, it would have been vanity. Okay. So what would you say to someone like that? Uh, I would say go take a bath and brush <laughs> your hair. I mean, uh, for me, when I go and I get my hair done and I put on makeup and like, I'm the kind of person I train almost every day. If it's boxing, yoga, going on a hike, whatever is to move my body because movement for your body is self-love because it's so healthy for you and your brain. I mean, what happens to your brain just being outside for 10 minutes? It goes like on fire. And I think doing things that are healthy for your body is so important. And I wouldn't do anything to neglect that. So for me to go out for a walk and moving my body or dancing, do yoga, any exercises whatsoever, I don't look at that as vanity. I look at it as taking care of yourself and um, being respectful for what your body needs. And for my hair, I mean, to let, to just let go of my hair, I don't know if I could do that. And I don't know, like, I'm super confident as a woman. I can go to the grocery store with greasy hair and all of that. But to be able to to just curl it when I want to go out and feel good about myself. It doesn't make me 
less of a person because I like the feeling of looking good. Mm. And um, I know that as an NLP coach, we learn about how the brain takes in information. And I learned with myself that I'm super visual. So how thing how things look like is so important for my brain because that's how I take in things. So I love photography. I love art. I love, um, decor and styling and I love, I love looking good. And that's because that's how my brain kind of takes in information. But then I have someone like my grandfather who takes in information with words and, uh, thinking and being very, um, he doesn't care about how things look like at all. And he never really would, uh, dress up nice on a regular basis, only when my grandma would force him. But then again, you have that difference that he still loved and respected himself. And I think as long as that comes down to that, uh, and understanding that, but I don't want to take vain to be, take, take too much space in someone's life. And I don't want not being vain to take too much. You know, there's a balance to everything for sure. Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think it's it's um it's interesting because there are there is such a massive spectrum of people and what they think. You know, there are some people who are like, no, I was born this way. Like, you know, God made my body the way it is, and altering it would be like rejecting God or hating myself or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever. There's that side, and then there's the other side, which is like, change everything about your your appearance, and it'll be like the answer to you know all of your problems. Um, and there's everything in between. So I think it is. It's just a really interesting conversation to kind of open up because I think like with most things, there's some aspects of truth to it. There are some things to be learned from it. Um, and like you said, there are ways to learn how to love ourselves better through this conversation. Um, yeah. And it's interesting how it brings up so many different things for so many different people um, when this conversation comes up and, you know, people can get defensive and be like, well, you know, I... I've always loved my body, so why would I alter it? Or um, I don't have the money. Or and there are so many different, con- you know, conversations, and I think they're all very relevant. So um, mm-hmm. I love diving in and just hearing hearing your experience yeah. of it. I mean, like for me, what I've kind of like justified with the things that I've done is kind of get my body back to how it was. <laughs> with my breast, it was. Um, pre babies and my nose was pre, you know, before I broke it. And then, um, I had my teeth done because I went through a lot of stress for many, many years for every night I would grind my teeth and they would chip and I would have like what I had white spots on my teeth, which I know that's normal if you have like fever and stuff when they when when you're getting your teeth they really don't know why those spots come and um I remember going to the dentist I actually did that in in LA as well and I sat there in the chair and he was like we're going to go really, really white and really, really nice. And you're just going to have a really, really great smile. And I was just terrified how he wanted me to look like everyone else that he had made. 
Um, so I sat down with him and had tried to have a deep conversation with him saying that my teeth are almost identical to my father. I want the same shape and I don't want them to be Hollywood white. I want them to be real when it came to me. And I was very, uh, firm and he listened to me and, uh, he, uh they, the clinic created, so they're like my old teeth, only not grinded down mm. and not chipped and like the same shape and color and everything. So like my when I came home, no one could hardly see that I got it done, done only the, the people that really knew me. But and I'm so happy I did that as well. But that was like I love doing those things that um, like what can I do like if with my teeth that was also like what can I do to kind of like get it back to how it was because after like I think it had been 15 years I lost my mom and my dad and my aunt my grandfather my best friend like there was a lot of stress and I got divorced so there was so much stress on my teeth Mm. and I feel like after going through all of that I kind of just wanted to renew it and but the only thing that I really feel like I did for pure vanity was lip fillers. But I did so little, but it was the one that was my favorite thing to do. Mm. And I do it every other year, so it's super rare and cuz I try not to get blind on myself and I think that's like the only thing I did for like pure vanity and I absolutely love it and I totally owning it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I can't even say like it is truly my favorite thing to do. Mm. I love it. Um, so, okay. So many things. Okay. So I feel like I, I have like a running list. Okay. There's like boobs, the <laughs> nose, the teeth, the filler. Okay. Is that it? Or is yeah. there more? I tried Botox once a few years ago. I didn't love it because I could feel it. Mm-hmm. So then it wasn't that fun. Yeah. And I did laser, uh, the cool laser at Epion in in uh, Los Angeles, mm-hmm. in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. That is the funniest story ever. But I don't know if you guys will find it funny. But here in Norway, it's super funny because I went in there for a consultation. And they're like you're going to look 10 years younger than your friends. You're going to look amazing. And oh my God, like she was just really selling it. And I was going, oh, wow. Yeah, I would love to try it, you know. And so I go there to L.A. uh, with my whole family for it was more like a business trip. And I was just going to get this laser done at the end of my stay. And it was the day before we had planned to go to Disney World or Disneyland with the kids. And so I have the laser done and I come in there and she, uh, they put like cream on your face. You're not supposed to feel it because I thought that was weird, by the way, because when I had the consultation, she said, it's not going to hurt at all. And then coming into the actual point and being like, yeah, you're going to feel some t- discomfort and then just put all this cream on my face. And I was like, oh, what have I done? Uh-huh. And uh, I lay down in a chair and they asked me, do you want to have the lace around the eye? And I'm like, obviously, that's like place you definitely want to have laser. 
And then she's like, okay, we just have to put these drops on your eyeballs and put these lenses made out of metal on your eyes. Whoa. And yeah, whoa. And I was like, what? I felt like Rachel and friends when they're trying to put eye drops in her, just running around in the room and they're <laughs> trying to catch me. Yeah. And, they ha- and, and second of all, in Beverly Hills, they have no sense of humor. Mm. And I was just lying there trying to be funny. And they were just being really annoyed at me for not being prepared for this, by the way. I wasn't notified that they would put fucking eye drops that would just numb my eyeballs to put metal lenses on them. But eventually, after probably 15 minutes, they managed to tie me down and put this on me. And then I had my eyes open, but I couldn't see anything. But I couldn't feel if my eyes were open because my eyeballs were numb. And they were like, honey, you need to close your eyes. I mean, they're closed. And they're like, no, they're open. And I'm like, how do I close my eyes? And then I just said, like, this is how dead people must feel like. Because, you know, they're like there with their eyes open and they don't even know. And they keep popping up. And I just didn't know how to close my eyes. So that, that was a whole, whole discomfort, painful experience that I wish that I didn't do. So the laser I could live without. Uh, I do not recommend going there at all. I felt like that was a super unprofessional place on so many levels. But... Um, yeah, so the eye, eyes, eye thing really, really freaked me out for sure. And, um, yeah, it was, it was bad. Mm, wow. That sounds pretty intense. Um, did it, did it do anything to your skin? Did you notice anything better I didn't or worse? notice, no, I didn't, I didn't, I don't notice any change, but the only thing that I really loved was the cream that you got after. And that lasted me for like, I don't know, nine, nine, ten 10 months. Cause it was a really good filling cream and I didn't have to use so much. That was kind of like keeping my skin really, really fresh. Cause it had in the beginning I would peel from, from the cream. So it was a really strong one and made my skin always look super fresh and hydrated so I felt like that made the laser seem like it had effect but when the cream was empty I didn't want to buy a new one because it's like a freaking thousand dollars so uh, I went back to my regular routine and now it kind of just looks the same so definitely wasn't worth it at all Hmm. okay um how many of the procedures did you have done at the same time were there when when you came to LA to do your boobs and your nose was was that this was that like the same day yeah that was when I was 25 that was the same same time yeah and my teeth I just did um earlier this year was it or was it last no it was last year Mm. um and was there much yeah, of a recovery time when you did the stuff in LA when you were 25? Yeah, I mean that was that was okay because I I traveled alone and uh I was there for about 2 weeks and I had the procedure done almost immediately after I I arrived and then I stayed like 3 days in or 2 days in a care center after and then I was back to my hotel, but I was in constant contact with my doctor and my team. So I felt super safe for checkups or whatever. And 
I mean, like after a week, I felt so fine. But the only thing that that I had with me for about a month to five weeks was that I felt really sore in my breast. And it felt like I just had a really, really hard upper arm workout. Mm. And, and that, that lasted for a long while before that settled. And I mean, the nose too, it takes about two years for all the swelling to go down. But I mean, like after a year, it looked like how it can look like today. Mm. So that went pretty fast. Mm. Um, but with the teeth, that was more of an experience because I had that done last year and you're so, I asked them, one of the first thing I asked them was like, how many shots do I need to take? Because I really don't not like the needles. And they were like, four up and four down. And I'm like, okay, fine, I can do that. But then they didn't work, and I ended up taking 36 of them. Oh, my and gosh. Yes. Oh, and my gosh. It was, it was so... It, it was hard, and I remember I was so frustrated because I kept feeling them um, because they have to file down your teeth, and I kept feeling something. So then ended up them stopping and then putting more uh, shots, and then we needed to wait and then do it again. And I got so frustrated, so I just started crying, and um, that was the first day. And and the woman who who put the shots, she was so loving and caring and held my hand and she just said that I had a really high metabolism so it just you know ran out and that made me just I was and then I was fine and I was like I'm in great shape so that's <laughs> why this is happening uh-huh. uh, uh, but the second time when it was time to put them in again I had the same experience and then there was another woman who put the shots in it and she was the absolute opposite she was horrible she was so impatient and that made the experience so much worse. It's almost like it was way more painful having someone next to you that just felt that you were annoying and frustrated with you not or being so sensitive. That was almost like I could, it, it just made the whole experience way worse. But in between, because in those five days in between, while your new teeth is being made, you have some uh, some silly plastic ones just like easily glued on that you cannot use. And for those five days, you are not you're not supposed to chew anything. It's just a liquid diet. And I remember on the last day, it was the same day I was going back there. I was just so freaking hungry. I just wanted to chew my food. Mm. And I looked at my, my ex and I said like, why don't we just go to the Beverly Hills hotel and have pizza? I can chew them on the side. Cause I only did the four front teeth and the four lower uh, front teeth. So, uh, so I could just chew on the side and he's like, are you sure? Like, and I'm like, we're going to the dentist after if anything happens, it will be fine. And he's, and then he just said, okay. So we go to the Beverly Hills hotel and I order my pizza. And then I noticed that, uh, my upper left side of my tooth is a little bit loose. And it's kind of like when you're a kid, when you start losing your teeth, you know, you want to wiggle it, you know? Mm-hmm. You get that sensation. You just want to 
touch it. <laughs> I don't know. And I tried not to do it because I didn't want it to drop out. But then I accidentally came and chewed on it and it dropped out in my pizza. <laughs> but at the same time, Ollie, my then ex-husband, says to me, oh my God, Kevin Spade is right behind you. And I turn around, note, my tooth is still in the pizza on the plate. I turn around and I smile and I say, where? And he's standing right behind me and we make eye contact. And then he looks at my tooth, which is missing. And it's like shaped like a, you know, like a Dracula V-shaped tooth. And I'm like, oh my God, it hurts so bad. Because when I turned and smiled and got that air on my tooth under, it was just like the icing I could never I can never tell how painful that was. But at that moment, I had eye contact with Kevin Spade. And I was just like, oh, my God, my tooth. <laughs> that is the like most a- L.A. story I've ever heard in my life. I know. So it was just to put it back in and hold it and just run oh to the dentist's office. My. And that's how I met Kevin Spade. Kevin Spacey? No, Kevin Spade is the comedian. And he looks like a... Uh, he looks like Ellen DeGeneres, just male version. Oh, I don't think I know. I don't, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to. Is he funny? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. David. He's Spade? a short. Sh- yeah, is it David? David Spade, the blonde guy. Yeah, David Spade. One. David Spade. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I literally don't know anyone named Kevin Spade, but I was like, Kevin Spacey, <laughs> David Spade. That's hilarious. He looks like Ellen. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he's in um, Joe Dirt, which is like the funniest movie ever. I used to watch it so mm. much when I was growing up. It was hilarious. That cool. is so funny. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so what's what's next? Like, when do you when do you stop, or when do you take breaks, or you know? What's next? I mean, I, I'm super satisfied right now. There's nothing else that I would like to alter or do anything with right now. And the things that I've already done had been things that I'd been on my wish list for so, so long. And I've come to this place in my life that I just, I feel really good, happy and satisfied but I'm in a process now of removing all my tattoos. That's but that's like a laser thing, so it's not what I would consider, you know, alteration in that way. But uh, I just no, I, I feel really, really good. So you're are you removing all your tattoos that you've ever gotten? Um, no, I'm keeping. I have a rose on my arm. I'm keeping that one, but. I have a tramp stamp that I took when I was 15, <laughs> and it's a dragon. And I have a Nelly Furtado quote right next to it. And thank God it's not, I'm like a bird. What but is it? It's, it's some of the hardest things are easy to achieve with patience. I thought getting that tattoo was, oh, I have meaning now. I am a deep person. Mm. Just look at my lower back, you know. <laughs> so glad I didn't do any plastic surgery at age of 15. God. Wow. But anyway, is it legal to get uh, tattoos in Norway when you're 15? I mean, I had my mom with and she was like, she's getting a tattoo. Can you do that today? And then they're like, yeah. So 
all of that kind of worked out pretty easily. Mm. I think it's 16, actually, that there's a limit on 16. But since I had my mom with that, I got it. Mm. Well, there you go. Mm. Wow. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Um, and so you're getting rid of those. And then and then for now, you feel good. There's nothing. Oh, yeah. There's nothing that I really want done because most of the things that I wanted to improve on, I improved on with exercise I, uh, I started training really hard about five years ago and lost 34 pounds. Wow. It's like a lot. Yeah. So I never want to do any liposuction or anything like that. I, uh, yeah, if there was anything that I wanted to improve on, like getting a bigger ass or getting abs and stuff, I've, I've hit the gym for those things. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. would you have any more kids? Yes, for sure. I would love to have more kids. And do you think that that would impact your your boobs and stuff? Like, would you would that probably? <laughs> but it would be worth uh, it. They will probably. Uh, I don't. I don't know how that would how would that would be because I'm not sure if I would even breastfeed the next time around since I had two really horrible experiences. So then maybe it wouldn't have the same effect on my breasts after if I don't breastfeed, mm. but that's something that I'm going to see when the time is right. But I don't know. I just, the experiences I had with it in the past, it was just really, really bad for me and my babies. So I don't know if I want to do that again. Mm. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah. And what about, what would you say if let's say like one of your, let's say one of your sons came to you and said like, Hey mom, I want to, I want to change this about myself. Um, mm -hmm. what would you say to them? It will be really depending on what age they were in. Mm. And my, my oldest, ha he has an ear that sticks out the only one side mm. and he's been bullied in school saying, Oh, you have a big ear and just be teasing him about it. And he said to me one day that, uh, he actually asked me like if we could fix that. Mm. And I said like, yeah, sure, but let's do it when you're grown and you're in your own body and then you can make the decision again if you really want to do it when when you come to a place where you feel like you can make decisions of your own body. Mm. Because for me to make that decision for him now, I don't want him to go through something horrible or whatever and having that responsibility on me. I want him to be able to own it and stand for it and be like, yeah, I changed that because I wanted to, not because I took him to the doctors when he was eight to fix his ear. I don't know. I just don't think it's necessary um, to do it now. And I would just give the same advice my mom said and that, but let's just do it when, when you can d decide that for yourself when you're older. Mm. Mm. Okay, cool. Sweet. Yeah. And what about if what about if someone's listening right now and they're like, hmm, is this right for me? How do I know? How do I know if this is the right time to make a permanent alteration um, for me versus like, you know, sit with it a little longer or if I'm doing it for the right reasons? You know, how does someone else check in with themselves to know what's right for them? Right. Um, I think the best advice is to ask what feeling you want out of it. If it's more love, if it's feeling free in your body, if it's acceptance, and then 
when you figure out that exact feeling that you think this surgery will do for you, I would work on that, why you're not feeling that at that moment and why this and that or experiences you have had that maybe be led up to it because some people like my son, for an example, who goes through bullying for for things about their body, I think it's super important to work on on that issue and then reevaluate is it still important for me or do I is it not important for me to make this change? So that is something I would recommend for everyone to really deeply look into the feeling that they expect to get after and work on why that is not a relevant thing in their life right now. Um, because what, how you look like, it really doesn't have anything to say usually on how you feel on the inside so much the way that we expect it to be. So I think it's super, super important uh, to really reevaluate, you know, things that you've been through in your life and look into do, am I carrying stuff that I should work on more and then, and then come back to this decision. Because for me, I, I honestly, for, for my teeth, I wanted them changed also when I was 12, but that was for the white spots. But you know, that has been something in the back of my head as, as much as my nose. So I've, I've had many, many years to work on it and even brought it up in therapy to be like, hey, this is something I'm interested in doing, but I want to look into it just to make sure that I'm making the right decision. So so take a lot of time and work on yourself and figure out why you're doing it and what you expect of the surgery to, to bring to your life. Mm. And I think that when you come to a place like, yeah, I am pretty sure and confident that I'm doing this for these reasons. And it's okay that I don't feel what I expect to feel, you know, that you go through all of these questions because you need to understand that you might not feel what you expect to feel afterwards. And I think that that's something that you need to face beforehand and understand that 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 actually may happen. And then what do you do? are you strong enough and confident enough to deal with that afterwards? So there are so many psychological things that you need to have respect for when it comes to surgery. Mm. I love that. I love that perspective of thinking about what's the feeling that I'm going for. Like what's the, yeah. um, what feeling do I not have in my body right now that I want to feel? Um, yeah. And, and spending some time working on that feeling. That's, that's a really cool way of thinking about it. And um, something that I will consider and remember for myself, um, and, and for others when I'm talking to them about it, because I think, um, that's a really great sort of grounding tool to sit with. Um, and like you said, yeah. sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's not just like, I want this, therefore I'm going to do it right away. Or I feel insecure about this. So I'm going to go fix it right away. Sometimes it's sitting with it and sitting in it, which yeah. I think is uncomfortable for a lot of humans, especially now when things can move so fast, you know, we, everything in, everything in life happens so quickly now. And yet with something like this, um, it's so, um, it's so, it's so okay to have things take time. Right. I think that's super important too. Let time just help you figure things out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Cool. Um, sweet. Is there anything else you want to add on, on um, you know, body stuff before we do a few social media questions? Um, I don't know. I just think it's super important not to just work out, but also work inward when it comes to yourself and take care of yourself uh, when it comes to your emotions and stuff, because that all is linked to your body. And I actually wrote an article for Huffington Post about how loving myself helped me get the body that I wanted. So many people look for it the other way around where they want to alter their body or go and work out in the gym so they can love their body. But when you go the other way, it happens faster and more solid and stronger and loving. It's just, you can go so much further. And I'm, I couldn't be happier from where I am today Mm. and, um, highly recommended to, do a lot of work with yourself before doing anything with yourself, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I also love, love, love being in my body intentionally, whether it's working out or whether it's yoga or whether it's being in nature. And just, you know, I was recently reading just even like the science of grounding, like what happens to our neurons when we're you know barefoot on earth on soil it's some cool stuff right there yeah yeah and it's and it's hippy dippy to a lot of people but there's actual science to it and i think that um especially so many of us that are so busy and we live in cities and we're surrounded by concrete and you know we drive our cars and we wear shoes and it's so good to just go to the beach and stick your feet in the sand or the water or go for a hike and, you know, get get into our bodies, get into connecting with what we're feeling and why. Um, and also just like getting all of our neurons activated, putting our phones down, you know, putting your screens away. Um, cause I think, like you said, our bodies can actually teach us so much. Um, yeah. And so definitely, yeah. So he, I mean, every time I go through something really painful, it's when I'm outside that that helps me heal me in my own life. Mm. It helps me get perspective, helps me get distant. It helps me to feel grounded, helps me to feel confident just to be walking outside in nature, doing hiking and being kind of like one with nature and swimming, whatever it is, those things I think are underestimated. Is that the word where, yeah, I'm, Mm-hmm. I just think that people should be doing that more. Um, I know that a lot of my friends, and I'm actually guilty of it too, that I try to get energy from social media and finding inspiration and, and stuff through that, but it becomes like an addiction sometimes of um, just looking at picture and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling that you forget how much time you actually spend. Mm. But I've never, ever feel better and healed quicker for uh, like a 30-minute walk outside to a whole day outside. Mm. It is just, it is so good. Mm. Yep. I love that. It is. It is so good. Um, and I think that it's good to create sort of a 
a practice of that, like something that's a, an actual routine. Cause otherwise yes. for me, sometimes I go, Oh my gosh, it's been like a month since I, you know, went for right. a walk. Cause even then sometimes I'll go work out and it's like, I'm going to a gym or I'm going to like a, yes. a yoga studio, which again, it's still getting in my body, which is amazing. And it's like yeah. still being active and any kind of movement is medicine, I think. But, um, when I'm not in nature for like a month and then all of a sudden I'm like, why do I feel crazy? <laughs> um, I, right? think, I think it's really good to, to have an actual practice of being outside. Yeah. We have this wonderful tradition here in Norway. It's called the Sunday walk every Sunday. Like most people in Norway will go for a walk in in the woods so every Sunday, my Instagram is blowing up with people that are outdoors. And so am I blowing other people up with what I'm doing when I'm outside. It's just, um, it, it, I love that tradition. And it's like my parents would do it. My grandparents would do it and their parents before that. So it's like, it is a, it's a long tradition going way back. And that's something that I really adore about Norway. Mm. Mm, that's amazing. Wow. We- yeah. We should definitely be learning something from you guys in that. Yes, definitely. Stick around for part two of this discussion to hear a Q&A with Christine Fredheim about her social media practices. This episode of Out of Line was produced by me, Caroline. All sound editing, engineering, and original music composition by Jaden Lee. And a big thank you to Cat Footwear for working with Out of Line this season. Hit subscribe to get the next episode on your mobile device when it drops next week. And if you love what you heard, please whip out a review, will ya? 